0: Hello, this is Tamina Watson on Immigration with Tamina Watson on Desi 1250 AM. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today is Tuesday, December 1st. Can you believe it's December already? There's only 30 days left in the entire year. I hope you're getting ready for the holiday season. Um, Today we are going to be taking questions if you call us. Um, Our number is 206 414 Seven six seven four. I'm going to repeat the number two zero six, four one four seven six seven four. You can also email us at info at watsonimmigrationlaw.com. dot uh, com with any questions, comments, feedback. You know, we'd love to hear from you. Um, today we are going to be adding a new segment to the show we're going to be talking about famous immigrants that you probably know about but don't really know they're an immigrant or forgotten about uh, their immigrant background Um, i'd love to remind you of a lot of the people that have shaped america as it is today and who are part of the fabric of society We also have a wonderful guest today and I can't wait to start chatting with her Um, and I'm going to talk about some immigration updates. So reminder of the show. This is a brand new show on Desi 1250 AM. If you are not familiar with the show, then here is a snapshot. We're going to be talking to you, talking with you for about 30 minutes every week on uh, Tuesdays at 10 AM. Uh, uh, we're going to talk about news updates in immigration law. We're going to be interviewing either a notable immigrant somebody who's very notable, is here today. Uh, And we'll be talking with people who are um, notable personalities making an impact on immigration law. We'd love to hear from you with feedback or people that you want to hear from or listen to, so let us know. And uh, we are going to take your calls. The call-in number is 206-414-7674. So, The new addition to the show is about famous immigrants. And today we're going to talk about Bose. Did you know that the famous speaker brand was named after somebody called Dr. Amar Bose? He was born in India and the speaker is worldwide famous. Uh, Dr. Bose was an electrical engineer who graduated from MIT he was inspired to develop the high-end audio system after being disappointed with the stereo system he had purchased. The The company was founded in 1964 and is today listed by Forbes as the nation's 167th largest private company with over 10,000 employees and $2.67 billion in sales. And that's from the Forbes um, website if you were going to look for that information. But you know... Immigrants have shaped the country from the settlement in Jamestown to today, and it's very important to remember that with the current climate, with refugee crisis going on, and the hostilities, that uh, there are a lot of people who helped make America The the way it is today. So remember that. In terms of news, uh, last week we talked about the visa waiver program and some enhancements that were going to be announced. Those announcements were actually made yesterday. And uh, so the White House website has a fact sheet. And I recommend that you go to that if visa waiver issues are important to you. And a lot of our listeners will have family members who are from visa waiver countries. These issues are, in fact, very important. Uh, About 20 million visitors come to the U.S. every year on the visa waiver program. And there are about 38 partner countries in the world that are uh, part of this program. Uh, Because of the incident in Paris, uh, security measures are going to be put in place and those announcements were made yesterday. So part of what's going to happen is that uh, the USCIS and the Department of Homeland Security will make modifications to the ESTA program, uh, which is the electronic system for travel authorization. And any past travel to countries that have been listed as terrorist safe havens will be recorded, uh, recorded and extra scrutiny will extra scrutiny will be taken on those issues. The Department of Homeland Security will also be accelerating its review process for new visa waiver partner countries, and they will take about 60 days to make those reviews. Uh, the program will also be piloting other programs to see whether there are um, new assessments that can be made for using biometrics. Um, The the enhancements will also include identifying countries that are deficient in key areas of cooperation. Um, Essentially, the United States will help other countries, uh, visa waiver countries, in sharing information. Uh, There will be uh, – DHS will offer assistance to countries to better facilitate terrorism information, uh, and specifically to include biometrics Pilots. There will be screen, terror screening centres as well, um, and the global entry programme among visa waiver countries will be further expanded. The Homeland Security will also work with Congress to seek authority to increase advanced passenger information system fines from $5,000 to $50,000 for air carriers, meaning airlines, that fail to verify a traveler's passport data. So it seems like airlines will be actually uh, carrying a lot of the burden through these enhancements that were announced yesterday. Um, All in all... The terrorist activities that happened in Europe are vastly impacting the way travelers will be coming into the U.S. If you have family members coming into the U.S., if you are a green card holder or even a visitor using the visa waiver program, you know, we'd love to hear from you about how is this impacting your travel. So let us know. You're listening to Immigration with Tamina Watson on DC 1250 AM. This is a new show focusing on immigration and everything that you need to know about immigration law. So, with further ado, I would love to introduce you to Shuchi Sharma. Welcome, Shuchi, for being on the show. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Tamina. This is really amazing. I want to introduce you to the listeners first. Shuchi Sharma works for the legislature. As a a senior policy counsel with the House Democratic Caucus, this is in Washington state, she advises the caucus on matters related to labor and the judiciary. She works on issues as diverse as wage theft, collective bargaining, body cameras and protecting children from gun related deaths. Before working for the legislature, Shuchi was senior policy advisor at the Department of Labor and Industries, where she guided agency leadership on various legal and policy matters. She has broad litigation experience as an assistant attorney general. She represented the department before the United States Court of Appeals, Ninth Circuit, the Washington State Supreme Court and Court of Appeals, and Superior Courts and Administrative Tribunals. She has vast experience, and she was... Uh, public defender after passing the bar in 1998. To learn more about her, please visit our blog where her full bio is posted. Our blog is at com, and you can read about Shuchi. Shuchi, thank you so much for being here. Well, How I'm are good. you? Oh, I'm doing really well. Thank you. You know, it's you've been like a big sister to me, so this is just really wonderful to have you here. You know, this is the beginning of the show, basically. We're on the eighth show. You're our eighth guest. Um, I'd love to hear about your immigration journey to the U.S. I'm delighted
1: to talk about it. But before I start, I have to make the usual disclaimer that we do in our business, that all opinions are my own, and I'm not representing any entity, any my employer, or any organization. So, all right, so let me talk about my immigration journey. So I came to the United States uh, to go to law school. And prior to that, I lived in Japan where I took my LSAT. And I got, uh, so I went back to India and I got admission to law school. I applied for the U.S. visa, I was rejected three times. And, you know, after the third time, you get a stamp and you cannot apply for uh, the next 10 years. So uh, at that point, I had a, uh, I mean, not only did I have a law school invitation in F-1 uh, that was my, uh, from my law school, I, was, uh, I also had all my financial documents ready, and I also had a U.S. sponsor. Who that's had, uh, who was ready, willing, and able to share all financial uh, responsibility and what, documents? What kind of visa was it that was rejected three times? Uh, student visa. Oh wow! Yes. Okay. So uh, it was when my U.S. sponsor actually contacted their congressman and senator. Did the you, the embassy in Delhi then contact me and and said that they would be willing to reconsider my application? Wow! So that's how I got my visa. And, you know, I, I don't know how many of our listeners today have been through this experience. But when you apply to uh, the U.S. visa from third world countries, the treatment that you get is very, very different than, say, when I was applying as a tourist to come from Japan. So uh, I was not even asked a single question and decisions were made within, I want to say, maybe 15 or 20 seconds. So that was my experience.
0: Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that story because people get disheartened. These are the types of questions I get frequently. And often people think that once you've been rejected, you may not have a a chance anymore, but you're the proof that you can actually get here and do so much for society. What would you change? uh, And what would you advise our listeners? So I think that, uh, you
1: know, if, if I had to change things, obviously the protocol in the embassies that w- is what I would change. And I think when people are having simple human-to-human interactions, I would instruct my employees, that is the <laughs> embassy workers, to explain to people why the visa is being I, being rejected. Because it's important for people to know what is the basis Uh, sometimes there's really no communications and sometimes there are language barriers where people cannot speak the language and and I've seen it I witnessed it firsthand where uh, there's simply no communication so I think that's one thing uh, one thing that I would change and I think my message again to and it's it's become a theme in my uh, professional life and personal life is for people to be politically aware
0: very good very good so I have always been curious about your job, and a lot of our listeners probably have no idea what somebody does in the Democratic caucus. Could you please explain a little bit about what you do and why it's important? Well,
1: um, I'll start with why it's really important, Um, and I I think... Professionals in, in my job have a, a very unique ability to be able to um, advise and guide our members. So this is where laws are actually being created. They're being worked on. So it's important because uh, you have uh, a voice. So now whether or not the members choose to do as you tell them what you should do, actually, you know, you don't really tell them what to do. You give them options. But sometimes members... are. Uh, have their own opinion and they're very committed to a particular point of view. Sometimes members want to, members want to explore things, so you are a partner in their journey to exploration. But ultimate decisions
0: obviously are made by members. But I think it, so. That's why important. Can I ask a question? Yes. So a lot of our listeners may not even understand what members mean. Can you explain what explain the house that you're in, okay. that you're working in? Okay. So uh, so I work in
1: the House of Representatives. So uh, in the legislature, there are two houses, there are two chambers. Is for the state. For the state, yes. So this is where state laws are made. And uh, the legislature actually comes in and, and, and writes statutes. So, uh, and in many cases, the legislature says, you know, we'll, here's the law, and they write their own laws. In many cases, they give powers to different agencies, to the executive branch, to make the laws through rulemaking. So, uh, members are elected members. So, each one of you listening today, uh, there's a member, uh, there's an elected member in your constituency, depending on where you live, who represents you in the House. And a member who represents you in the Senate, so these are the members uh, that you—if uh, you, uh, you know—you should really know. You should know where they stand on issues, and you should be able to communicate with these members. So, um, so again, you know, part of what I do is uh, be able to tell the different members on what different options members have on any given topic for example if a constituent comes and says uh, i have a problem with a land use permit then the member wants to know well what where should we go with this and so we have actually it's a team-based approach where people tell the member you have so many options you get to choose where where you want to go to help
0: the constituent Wow, that's um, very interesting and quite a profound role you have. Um, Tell us about some of your particular interests. Oh, I'm
1: actually... um you so fortunate to be and so honored to be working for uh, the House Democratic Caucus because I think a lot of the issues that uh, are currently playing out are the issues that our members are working on. You know, we all know what's happening on the wage theft issue. We all know what's happening in
0: retaliation in the workplaces. Can you explain I d- that a little bit to yes. listeners who may not know?
1: Yes. So, uh, wage theft is a concept that uh, is essentially when you, when a worker is not being paid the full wages, whether it's uh, it's uh, uh, below the minimum wage, the state minimum wage, uh, whether uh, the illegal deductions from the paycheck, whether you, you know, a worker simply doesn't get the paycheck. And then when the worker complains, and typically we see in the immigrant community that uh, when the worker complains, the employer then retaliates against the worker by saying, uh, oh, whether it's immigration status or you just simply are fired and you have no recourse. Uh, Or so the employer thinks, except that the legislature has passed laws that uh, prohibit retaliation um and and i think so we're working on strengthening laws to uh, to prevent this type of retaliation but i think what i am especially interested in uh you know as a woman and as a woman professional is uh equal pay for equal work and to strengthen our state law
0: You know, that's very interesting. You mentioned wage theft and gender gap of, uh, you know, equal pay. You mentioned immigration status. Have you seen that come up?
1: Over and over again. In what
0: context? Explain it to us. So uh,
1: I think the last two years we've had uh, bills, these proposed laws, that uh, come before the Labor Committee, which I staff. And uh, we have uh, people who come and testify about whether or not they like the bill, um, and and why? So in uh, in a bill for uh, for anti retaliation and, and preventing wage theft, we had worker after worker come and say, um, I was not paid, or I was paid um, at uh, incorrectly uh, incorrectly calculated piece rate. Uh, we taking we talk about low wage workers, and uh, people saying, um, I am an undocumented worker. And whenever I complain to my employer that I'm not getting paid the amount that I should be getting paid, I get threatened that, uh, that I, you know, I will be deported. So it's a very common story and, uh, you
0: know, something that has to be shared. Well, thank you so much for looking out for immigrants and immigrants' rights. I mean, it's, it's interesting to hear that because I don't think I was completely aware mm-hmm of how, uh, how much impact you have not on just general public, but also undocumented immigrants who generally mm-hmm. wouldn't have any rights. Does your immigrant experience help? Oh, absolutely.
1: I mean, I think that when uh, it's a way to identify with the challenges and with the problems people have when you come into a new country and you really just know about one person or two people and that's it. You know, when you live in a country uh, you after a while, and I think especially, you know, me after living here for two decades, you start to build sort of structures around yourself and you have safety networks, you have safety valves and you have, uh, you can rely on a whole bunch of sort of external sources. But when you come in new and you're not empowered, you don't speak the language, you, it's very hard to create these kind of structures and these sort of checks and balances around you. And people just live in a very insular way as an insular community um, and never really have a chance, despite paying taxes, to uh, be a part in fabric of society and enjoy the benefits.
0: You know, I, one of uh, my key goals is really to make people aware that this is their society, this is their community, they need to be part of it. And you said something very important earlier, that people must must be aware of the political system. Tell us why. Well,
1: if you're not aware of the political system, then all decisions will be made without your voice. Whether you are a, um, a worker, you are an employer, you're a small business owner, you are a homeowner, you're a property developer, um, you are a low-wage worker, you are working in IT and you have a non-compete agreement. No matter where you, what you do, if you're not politically aware, then these decisions that will impact your everyday life, they will impact the quality of your life, uh, the quality and quantity
0: of your paycheck, and uh, you will be left behind. Mm. You know, um, as, as a community... Do you think the South Asian community is engaged enough? I'm afraid not so how can we change that?
1: I think we have to put our money where our mouths are. We really as a community have to start figuring out uh, first you know become cohesive in the in political sense and I know, you know I'm really proud that I think socially we do a great job in in creating our, our networks but um, but I think politically we've just distanced ourselves for whatever reason we believe that uh, you know either uh, most of us think well we'll go back or this is not really our home or even it's a home. We're so comfortable here that uh, I think there's a sense of uh, inertia. But mm-hmm. I think we need to. Uh, we I, I often and I think you and I have talked about this before that uh, we don't hear about uh, our politicians talking about the South Asian vote. Where is that block? Of votes, mm-hmm. Where is it going? We talk about uh, votes for a whole different groups of communities, but our community is left behind. And I think it is because uh, we are uh, we're so busy doing our everyday lives that uh,
0: we, we just lose
1: this is not one of our priorities, which is really a shame.
0: You know, there might be some listeners who want to take part, but they might be afraid because they're an immigrant. Uh, what would you say to them? Well, I think everybody has to start somewhere,
1: and you're not. I mean, uh, getting aware and engaged politically takes very simple steps. It's as simple as connecting with the PTA, calling up the school board, attending meetings, and these are topics that affect you, impact you, and are uh, meaningful to you, and especially when uh, you have uh, uh, any challenges or or any issues, I think – everybody should contact their local uh, uh, the senators
0: and their representatives and that's where it starts well wonderful, wonderful words of wisdom and exactly what I have been wanting to tell people uh, and thank you for starting this conversation or continuing this conversation for me um, any last words of wisdom before we have to say goodbye to you
1: well um, you know um, thank you very much and I wish um, all our listeners um, a wonderful uh, 2016.
0: Wonderful. Well, Suchi, thank you so, so much for being here today. Really, really appreciate it. Have a wonderful holiday season and hopefully I'll see you soon and maybe have you on the show again. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, listeners, you were just listening to notable Seattle attorney Suchi Sharma talking on our show on Desi 1250 AM. Uh, you are listening to Immigration with Tamina Watson here. Your host for the moment. We're running out of time, I'm afraid. Uh, if you have questions or comments, you can email us at info at WatsonImmigrationLaw.com. com. We're here every Tuesday at ten o'clock in the morning sharp, and we'll be here ready to listen to you if you have questions. We'd love to hear from you with your feedback. Uh, you know, it's it's a presidential year coming up soon, and there are just so many issues that are, are of concern to our South Asian community. What, are, what concerns you? We want to hear about it, and let's see how we can address those as a community. My email address is info at watsonimmigrationlaw.com, and the website is watsonimmigrationlaw.com. You can always find my contact info at www.desi1250am.com. You can follow me at Twitter, um, uh, at Tamina Watson. Next week, we'll be talking about some more immigration updates. We'll also have a very special guest joining us next week to talk about um, issues that will actually be very important to you. We have so many people in our community that are highly educated from different countries, but come to the U.S., And find that those skills are not transferring easily. So you'll be hearing about uh, uh, some very special programs that are in, in the works that will help you get connected to the community, transfer your skills to something that can be useful here, and you can essentially contribute to society. Sign up to our blog to learn about what's coming up. Uh, Thank you again, Shuchi Sharma, for being on the show today. And we will look forward to listening to you and being with you next week, Tuesday. This is Tamina Watson signing off from Immigration with Tamina on DESI 1250 AM. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.